All right, folks, I'm going to preach first this morning. I find God is, is, is quite amazing in how he prompts you from time to time to do things that uh, you didn't plan. We always do the worship first or normally. And I went to the team this morning. I said, come, let's reverse things. Um, I didn't know what they were going to sing. And, uh, and I just think, man, it's just, it's amazing how things just flowing this morning as well. So we're going to preach first and um, then we are going to... Uh, Worship together. Now, at the end of my sermon, please do not go home because that's not the sign to go home now because sometimes after a lacquer uh, word or, or God speaking to us, it's just nice to be in the presence of God. We're going to pray a little bit for one another as well after that as well. Is that cool? Good. Don't waste your life. Uh, so that's uh, what I spoke about last week. I'm speaking about again this week because I find that even though we are believers, that many of us seem to, and from time to time, we all seem to be wasting the purpose of God for our lives. Uh, we seem to not getting the point. And uh, listen to me a bit this morning as well. And let me go to some of the scriptures I shared last week. And then I want to read the whole of C.T. Studd's uh, poem to you. Uh, not just a little bit out of that as well. But listen to what Acts chapter, uh, Psalm chapter 57 verse 2 says. It says, I cry out to God most high. Remember what it says? To God who fulfills his purposes for me. Now, now let's ask the question, and I'm, I know I speak to adults and intellectual people here this morning, people who have an intellect, but whose purpose? No, 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 you're not playing with me this morning. You, 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 you've, you, you think I'm going to trick you. Whose purposes? No, 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 you're not answering me. Come on now, man. You know, I don't want to force you, but whose purposes? God's purpose. All right, that, that's better. That, you can take a free cup of coffee on Jock afterwards as well. Acts chapter 13, 36. Here's my wife, one of her many favorite verses in the Bible. is now when David had served, whose purposes? God's purposes. That's it. For his own generation, he passed on, he died. All right. And here, this is the point I'm trying to make. It's so often I live and say, what is my purpose? What is the plan for my life? And it's actually the wrong question to ask. The question is, what's God's plan for my life? What is God's purpose for my life? How does he want me to live this life? How, what does he want me to do to live this life well? Um, you know, I'm, is it becoming a pastor? Is that my purpose? Is a doctor? Is a mechanic? Is a, a teacher? Is that the purpose? I don't think that is the purpose, although it helps. It's great. It's fantastic. But the purpose is much bigger than that. And we're going to get to that. And we touched on it a little bit last week as well. Is listen to this poem by C.T. Studd. It's uh, One Only or Only One Life by C.T. Studd. Two little lines I heard one day, traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart, and from my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat, only one life. It will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. Only one life, the still small voice, gently pleads for a better choice, bidding me selfish aim to leave, aims to leave, and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life. It will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. Only one life. 
a few brief years, each with its burdens, hopes, and fears, each with its claims I must fulfill, living for self or in his will. Only one life. It will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. When this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would a victory score, when self would seek to have its way, then help me, Lord, with joy to say, only one life, it will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep. In sorrow, in joy or sorrow, thy word to keep. Faithful and true, whatever the strive, pleasing thee, in my daily life. Only one life to live and it will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. Two more verses. Oh, let my love with fervor burn and from the world now let me turn, living for thee and thee alone, bringing thee pleasure on thy throne. Only one life to live. It will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. I think I added a bit there, but that's fine. Only one life, yes, only one. Now let me say, thy will be done. And when at last I hear the call, I know I'll say it was worth it all. Only one life. It will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. Now, just in case you didn't get it, listen to it again. Only one life. Only one life. It will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. Maybe you guys didn't get it. Because if there's anything you're going to remember, listen to me this morning. Only one life. It will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. That's it, my friend. I can go home now. I've done my job. Okay, focus on the real purpose of all of this. Because let me tell you, if you want to complete this statement like I asked at the end of my sermon last week, is what would you fill in there? What would your statement be completed if I had to say to you, in order to live this life well, I must? What would you do? What would you fill out? What would you put in there, in the dots there? If I want to live this life well, I must become a doctor, I must become a this, a that, or something. I think it's great to become those things. Obviously, I did become something as well. But that is not the purpose of God for my life. There is something better, something deeper. I touched on it last week as well. I think it's time to make some changes. I think it's time to rethink purpose. You know, we go to all these lectures about purpose and success and this and me and mine and all kinds of stuff to better myself, forgetting that the real purpose of life is not what they teach me there. All right, so I'm going to ask you again, please don't waste your life. It is too quick. Like I said last week as well, as to those of you who are under 30, you think I've got a long way ahead of me to make better or different decisions. One day when I'm old like you, Rulof, then I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. Let me tell you, like I said last week, I thought that last week as well or yesterday. It was like yesterday when I was 20. And I know I don't look older than that, but I'm 60 in a year's time. What are you laughing at? What are you laughing at? Have you seen me take my shirt off? It's amazing, you know. All right. Yeah, no, I won't do that. All right, so, so let, let, me, let me just tell you, my friend. Let me, let me tell you. Look in my eyes here this morning. Your view of eternity will determine how you will live this side of the grave. Yes, sir. It will. 
And this is brief. This is done. It's finished. It's almost over. Our view of of eternity will determine what value I will place on stuff this side of the grave and stuff or a person other side of the grave. You know, John 3 verse 16, my my scripture that I, I think it was the first verse I ever learned as a little boy in Sunday school. For God so loved the world. And I would say it over and over. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. The only thing is I learned it in Dutch because my parents were Dutch. So the English is, is my third language, you see. So anyway, so for God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. And I would think and I'm still thinking, what is the love of God? What is the meaning of the love of God. You see, this is so simple, it's actually unbelievable. It is so simple, the Word of God, that sometimes I go, it couldn't have been much deeper. You know, it is, for God so loved the world. How does God love me? I know how I love my children, how you love your children. And don't look at me so religiously. As you think, by giving them stuff, you demonstrate your love for them. And we train our kids like this. If you're good, I'll give you a lollipop. If you sit still in children's church, I'm going to buy you a milkshake after. You see, and that's how we, how we train our kids. Is the meaning of love for a kid is often is, is, is stuff. And so often I think that if I demonstrate love to my kids, what I must do, what I definitely must do, is I must give them a reasonable or good or excellent education. I must send them to varsity and I must give them a good kickstart in life or maybe a good holiday or maybe just a nice home to stay. Or for those who are really, really good parents, which I wish I had and I have not been, is to give them a financial injection when they get married so they can settle in a flat of some sort. All right, most of us, including myself, we couldn't do that. Is that love? Is that demonstrate love? You see, often, many times, umpty times. Now, umpty is a lot. Umpty means a lot, okay? Umpty times. I have heard people say this to me. When I have provided my kid with good education and a good place to stay, then as a parent, I would have done my duty. Nia. No. Any other language where no means no? Nein. Ek weet nie, you know, now we're going to, it's, it could be nine as well, like nine, you know, but anyway. It, it, no, it is not. It, you know what the best thing you can do for your kid, my friend, is to prepare them for eternity. Not for varsity, for eternity. That was my biggest passion in my life with my children as they grew up. And thank God, God has answered my prayers. I would look over them and cry over them in their naughty days. And I would say, God, these are PK kids. They should be knowing. They should live Christ in my home. And they, sometimes they're not. And, and is my daughter here? She, 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 was not, she was sometimes not good. Eh? You know, we really had to sort her out. You know? Where is she? She's, I think she came to another service. Anyway, so I can, I can skin her about it. And I would say, Lord, I don't want to lose my kids to hell. Please save them. Please save them. I cried over them. I wanted to prepare them for much bigger than a, a career. I wanted to prepare them for eternity because tomorrow it's here. Tomorrow it is here. You see, God loves me. What is it? He loves me by giving me the best he ever had. He gave me the best he ever had, namely himself. 
his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what he gave me. So, so he gave me the best he ever had. And, and, and he said to me, Rulof, I'm going to give you eternal life. And here's the next burning question. is not about just the love of God. What is the love of God? The love of God is that God gave me his best, his son. And now the next question is, he gives me eternal life. What is eternal life? And where does it start? And many preachers will tell you it starts here. So here you can have all the goodies and all the frills and the spills and the bells and the shakes and the whatever you have because eternal life starts this side of the grave. Prepare yourself for riches, glory, and happiness this side of the grave. Yo, that sounds attractive. But why is it so difficult? Why is it that only few get there? Only those who can raise not dead people can get there. He didn't get that. Don't get it. It's nasty. It's nasty. Okay, so is eternal life having a good self-esteem? Is eternal life maybe living at the, at the beach? Is eternal life financial gain? Is eternal life going to the Bahamas? I don't even know where that is really. Is it? It's somewhere there. Is eternal life maybe, maybe it's, it doesn't start here, but maybe it is a place Going to a place, Burton, where there's gadgets, where there's skateboards for kids, where there's TV games for kids, where there's free DSTV, where there's golf courses. Some of you are saying, please let there be a golf course. Where there's a gourmet kitchen, where there's, what is it? What is heaven? What is eternal life? Jesus, again, astonishes me with his simplicity. Listen to what he says in John chapter 17, verse 3. He says this, this is eternal life. Here's the answer. That they may know you, the only true God. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Are you shocked? You know, that is eternal life. That's what Jesus says, that you may know God, that you may enjoy God, that you may know him. Eternal life is summed up in this very brief sentence and Jesus gives it to me and that's what I've got to work out the rest of my life is knowing him, the only true God and, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, the word nothing is actually two words. No thing will ever satisfy you. And yet we chase after things, but no thing will ever satisfy the soul. My soul is only satisfied as I stand in awe of a person. And it's a big P, a capital P, a person. And his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm amazed how easily people skip church and easily people run after. And, and I love music. I love cricket. I love rugby. I, I, can, I can go to these games. I thoroughly enjoy them. I'm amazed at people and how... They enjoy themselves as well. But let me tell you, nothing will keep me from serving God and attending His church. The only thing that will satisfy me is not those heroes on TV, not those heroes on, 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 on the soccer field or the cricket field or the rugby field. The only thing that satisfies my soul is the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. All heroes, and we all have some, don't we? All heroes stand in the shadow of the Lord Jesus Christ. We love to admire excellence as human beings. I do. I love to admire the excellence in God's creation. I do. You see, I think, and I believe it with all my heart, listen to me, whether you're a believer or not, we all were made to worship. 
We were all made to worship. We wor- worship comes naturally to us. But the problem is that few of us find the object of worship who is really God and we make it things and we fail significantly and fundamentally by turning our worship from God into things and even people. So as human beings, my friend, we have managed to make man more significant than God. It's true. It is true. We have made man. Remember last week I shared about the telescope. Now the function of a telescope is different to a microscope. A microscope, as I said last week, is to make something that is, that is, that is small, big. Thanks, Carol. I desperately need you, my lady. It's something that is small, big. Yeah, it's a good thing to be married, you know. And, and, and especially when she listens to your sermon from last week as well. So you could help you out this week. That's a microscope. Something that is small, magnifying. A telescope is something that is big, but it brings it into my eye, into my experience, into my lounge, into my heart. And that is the function about, uh, for, but you know what we do as human beings? Let me call it something, maybe you haven't heard this word yet, as, as I call it the telescope syndrome, which we suffer from. As we turn that telescope around and I become the focus and the zoom is on me. And the zoom is on my significance. And the zoom is on my greatness. And the, the zoom is instead of bringing glory to God, the zoom is on how good I feel, how rich I am, how famous I am, how much I do, how much I, I me, mine, and I. And, and, and instead of focusing on the bigness of God and bringing this awesome, great, fantastic God into my life and understanding with my little peanut brain, I become the focus telescopic or telescope syndrome. Let me, let me show you a picture quickly here. Can you see earth? Have you found it? I've even put an arrow there. I actually downloaded this, so it's not my arrow. Okay, you, you, you're not getting it. You're not getting it. Let, let me give you another picture and see if you can get it from that one. It's maybe the arrow is just, it's a little bit, can you find yourself? Can you find how significant we are? Can you find how big we are? Can, can, can you see earth, first of all? And, and then maybe if you do, if you're so amazing, can you see the barn? <laughs> and maybe even better, can you see me standing on a, on a platform? Can you see yours? Of course we can't. That is how, how stupid it is to turn the telescope upside down and to make me the focus. When the focus is on this awesome, amazing, wonderful creator that says, look out there if you don't believe. Just look there and see what I've made because the greatness, my greatness declares my name. You see, let me tell you something about that little middle section there, that little squirkle there. Apparently, apparently, and it's amazing how they measure this stuff, is it is 100,000 light years just from the, 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 the core there from that side to that side. And they apparently have counted that there's four billion stars just in that place. Now you tell me how the heck did they get that right, Katya? When they can't even count the stars I see on a good night in Johannesburg. But apparently there's four billion. Maybe it is. Maybe, it, maybe they're right. But you know, yeah, then I go to Psalm and, and, it, and it just talks about us and the significance yet 
how insignificant, but the significance God places on us. Psalm 8 says this, Lord, O oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You see, this happens when the, the telescope is right side up, when it's not focusing on me. He says, you have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place. Listen to David, what he says. He, what is mankind that you think of him? How, how crazy is that, that I make myself the focus? And yet, what is it that you care even for human beings in the picture of all of that stuff that is only a dot of what is really out there? He says, you've made us a little lower than angels and crowned us with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hand. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and animals and wild, birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all swim in their past. And then he comes back and he says, Lord, forgive me for being so stupid. Because although you've placed such an importance on my life and our life as, as, as human beings, let me tell you, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. That's the right focus. That's the right focus. You've made us what we are. Thank you, God. Amazing how you put us together. But Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name above the earth. You see, the only thing I've worked out, and I'm still a youngster, the only thing that I've worked out in this life, or the most important thing, is that the only thing that satisfies me is one person. One person. And, and John Piper put it like this. He says, one person who conceives all excellence. He gives birth to all excellence. You know, some people just put things better than yourself, so you'd rather quote them. He says, with one person who embodies all skills, one person who has all talent, all strength, all brilliance, all savvy, and all goodness. And that one person, my friend, 